Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Control-Alt-Azure. This episode is sponsored by Solveto. Continuous learning is the driver for success, growth, and well-being. Learn or expire. Keep your Azure skills up to date by going to solveto.fi slash pro. I'm Tobias, and I'm back again with UC. What's up? Hey, Toby. What I've been doing lately is I've been thinking about the ventilation in my home office. <clears throat> so, so the space where I do recordings like this is in the basement. So the room is very well insulated. It's part of the new house. The walls are soundproofed. The door is, I think they call it the decibel door. So it's it's really blocking any noise or voices from outside the space. And recently I moved my beefy custom built PC to this small recording room. But the problem is that it adds quite a bit of warm air because it's a beefy PC. So even if I'm not doing anything massive, it's pushing out hot air to this small space. So now I have a tricky decision to make. Do I replace the beefy custom built PC with something smaller like an Intel Nook? Or do I drill holes in the wall, position the beefy custom built PC outside the room and just bring cables in for the display and, and everything else? Or do I do something else? And this is something that I've been thinking for a couple of evenings, and I'm not sure I want to drill the holes, but I'd also like to use the beefy custom-built PC because it's beefy and it's nice. So this <laughs> is the problem of my life currently. <laughs> so I don't know where you put your data center. I know you built the data center yourself as well, pretty much. So put it in in, in that room and just connect over an Ethernet cable or something like that. But yeah, I can't answer that question for you. So contemplate on that part of your life a little bit and let us know <laughs> what, what the output is. On our side or my side with the family, we have decorated the Christmas tree and we went to the local market and we grab a Christmas tree and then I have a tradition of carrying it uh, home on my shoulder, which this year was quite the challenge because my, my partner, she was still at home and I took both of the kids and then I had to carry the tree on my shoulder and push the stroller with the other hand and then have the five-year-old uh, to maintain as well as we were walking back. Quite the challenge, but good fun. We have now decorated the Christmas tree and we're getting into a really good like Christmas holiday spirit uh, mood around here. It's dark outside where we live. Uh, we put the lights uh, and the light strips on outside and it's jolly good. Now, if we could just get a little bit of snow, that'd be awesome. So let's wait and see if we can get that. But yeah, we're we're getting in the mood. There's a lot of work remaining this year, but it's a, it's a very nice thing to have a lit Christmas tree when you wake up in the morning and we have a little fireplace we can um, light as well. So I think things are shaping up in our very old but newly bought house. So we're we're definitely getting into the uh, the holiday spirits here. Sounds nice. We do have the snow. I think I mentioned that on the last episode that we got a bit of snow. Uh, the following night, we're getting a lot of snow here. The Christmas tree, it's not yet something we, we usually get. I don't think you can even buy one yet from Finland. So you have to wait about one week before Christmas Eve. And then everybody goes out and buys the tree on the same day for some reason. Alrighty, so today we will be talking about getting certified as a Microsoft Identity and Access Administrator, the SC300 certification exam. And Toby, I recall we've talked about certification a few times because in episode 98, 
we talked about the SC200, the Security Operations Analyst certification. But do, do you recall if we've touched on certifications at all in other episodes, perhaps? Yes, we have. Because um, I just looked that up. Otherwise, I wouldn't remember the numbers here. Uh, in episode 76, we talked about, so you want to become an Azure developer for the AZ204 exam. So, so that's really the first touch point we had. But then uh, things related to security, we talked in episode 87 about get certified on Azure security with the AZ500. And I know we both did that a couple of years back. And then it's the episode 98, like you mentioned, SE200 on get certified as a security operations analyst. Then we also talked in episode 128 about preparing for the new cybersecurity architect, which is the SC100 certification. So we've we've done that a couple of times. So this is the really the fifth episode on any given specific certification. So I'm I'm looking forward to to diving into this. Sounds good. So we'll put the links to those episodes in the show notes if you want to want to give it give them a listen as well. So SC300, the main focus of of this exam and this certification is Azure Active Directory, or as it's now called, the Microsoft Entra Azure Active Directory. Uh, if you just want to get the essential information, what do you need to study for? What do you need to know in order to pass the exam? Head on over to aka.ms slash sc300. That, that's the short link for, for getting the study guide as, as well as the explanation on what's going to be in there. But we'll dissect the essentials during this episode as well. Quick note, though, that the latest update for the exam was in late October 2022. And if you are already studying for the exam, perhaps when you're listening on this, don't be afraid. The updates typically do not drastically change the exam. Perhaps they they update a couple of uh, names of the services, like adding Microsoft Entra here and there. But the essence of the exam does remain the same. So I did this, I can't recall when, maybe two years ago. I'm not sure. And Toby, was it so that you did the SC100 and the AZ500, but the SC300 that we're talking about today, you haven't done that yet. I, I have not. I, I never did the SC200 either. I, I did do the SC100 and the AZ500 because at the, at the time they were like the most relevant for what I was working on. I do have my eyes on all the SC certifications as well. So I am intrigued to get the 200 and 300 here. I've only just eyeballed it. So I, I know kind of what's in this exam and I know what my areas are of strength and where my gaps are. But but yeah, like go back to the study guide and take a look. That's my go-to plan. And if I decide I want to take this, then uh, yeah, hopefully this episode will be enlightening for where I need to start looking. I do like the exam though, because this is fiercely focused on Azure AD. That's it. As with SC200, that's a bit of Defender for Endpoint, a bit of Intune, quite a bit of Sentinel, quite a bit of KQL. So it sort of goes here and there. There's also a Defender for Cloud Basics, but the SC300, Azure AD, that's it. You open Azure Portal, you go to Azure AD, study this, you're good to go. So the exam areas, um, there's four main areas. Identities in Azure AD. That's about 20 to 25% of the exam content. Then there's um, authentication and access management. 
about 25 to 30 percent, access management for applications, about 20 percent, and lastly, identity governance, about 20 to 25 percent. So almost all of these are equal. You need to study on identities, authentication and access management for applications and, and users, and identity governance. And for me, when I was studying for this, I felt the identities bits and authentication and access management, they were the easy bits. But identity governance, which typically requires an Azure AD premium P1 or P2 license, those are capabilities that we tend to use less because not all customers have the capability of purchasing the premium licenses. So you're not exposed to those as much as you are exposed to identity. Would, would you agree on this one? Yeah, I, I think so. And I, I mean, I, I really like, I'm looking at study guide now and I'm I'm really, I'm happy with the spread of, of these things. Some of the exams in, in our former life, like I went on Twitter yesterday, I think, or, or earlier this week and I posted uh, because I found my first exam with Microsoft was in 2004. That's 18 years ago. And I was 19 years uh, at the time when I took it. A lot of things have changed, and back then the exams were, you know, very different, very, very different in a lot of ways. So let's not get into details there. But I like the format here, and I like the structure, and I also like the balance here. That it's kind of an equal spread between these four big areas, um, and then you know, it, there can be a, a split focus within each of these areas. But I, I like this, and I like what I'm hearing. I do know that in quite a few of these areas, I personally have some room for improvement. I I know, you know, maybe a lot about Azure AD and identities and authentication, access management, maybe some stuff for access management for applications, but then identity governance might be something that I need to improve my game on. And then the study guide is superb. You, you head on over there, you take a look at that section, it's going to tell you these are things you need to know. So I, I love that. I, I like the spread here. In, indeed. And perhaps useful to keep in mind that when you're studying for this, and let's talk about the, the methods for studying in a bit, but when you're studying for this exam, keep in mind that none of these four main exam areas, none of those expect you to go super deep on all the nitty gritty details. It's more about having a solid grasp and understanding on how things work out and having this sort of hands-on experience. How do you create? How do you configure? How do you enable capabilities? That's it. So in, in a way, I feel the SC200, the SC300 and SC400, which is sort of the last one before you perhaps head on to SC100. All of these three exams they give you a nice base understanding of the security capabilities. You, you will not be the world's most experienced in Azure AD once you pass this exam, but I keep this as, as a sort of a baseline. At least you know the basics now. So why would you do the exam? And, and Toby, I know that since you work for Microsoft now, is, is, is there a reason for you besides knowing that you know the stuff and proving to yourself that you do the exam. But is there a reason for you to allocate time and resources and effort for an exam nowadays? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I mean, skilling is always important, like learning and growing is always important in our line of business. And so I, I think personally, for me, there is a lot of incentives on studying for an exam and passing it. 
and not necessarily like in the past we had a partner company and in order to have the gold standard or the gold partnership level for specific areas you had to have this amount of people in your organization with those specific certifications and when you achieve that then you're eligible to get the gold partnership for me now that's entirely irrelevant uh, but for me personally the skilling part and and like upskilling my my own skills around this is super important but more so for me than for the company because microsoft is not a partner to microsoft obviously so I, I think it's important from from the angle of um, like appreciating what I understand and what I know, uh, and it it can also be an assessment of my own skills in areas where I need to di dive deeper into. Uh, so if I at the moment work a lot with security and security architecture and things like that, then this is a great opportunity for me to test my skills and see, you know, maybe I will pass. That's going to be great. And if I don't, I will get a a report saying, hey, you know what, there's a couple of things here you need to improve on and you will get a couple of links or suggestions saying, hey, take a look at these areas and go study them. And when you know that, then you go and do the exam again. So I think that's a, like staying humble in the sense that we always need to learn more things. We always have something new to learn. Same thing here. I love learning new things, but if my current role and job requires me to you know, dive deeper into something. And if there's a relevant exam for that, I'll go for it. Because it's a, you know, the mentality of that is that you need to create a plan. You need to have a plan for studying for, or at least preparing for an understanding that you know what you're going to be tested on and then do the exam. And if the outcome of that is that you grow your uh, knowledge in this topic, that's awesome. But it might also mean that you can then use whatever you learned in your line of business, regardless if you're a partner company or not. So speaking purely as an individual, yes, super important for me because I enjoy getting a, a seal of approval or a badge saying, you really did a good job here. You studied for that and you have proven that you know what it takes to, to work with these technologies. So to me, that's the perfect uh, motivation. I, I like this motivation for sure. For me, obviously, the Microsoft partner requirements might play a small part here, but not that much, really. I, I feel the reason for me is I want to learn about stuff. And while the exam itself doesn't really bring me the, the insights or the knowledge on, on, on a given topic, at least I've, I've been exposed to all of the topics, all of the content when I'm preparing for the exam. And once I'm done with the exam, I know what areas I need to perhaps study more or do more in the labs or what areas I know well enough that I'm confident in, in using those in a project, for example. And obviously for myself, I want to show that I am capable of skilling up from what I was a year ago or five years ago to prove to myself that I can become better over time and with more experience. And that's perhaps the main reason why I try to do these exams every year, more than one, perhaps less than 10 nowadays, but at least a couple every year to ensure somehow to myself, perhaps that I am still relevant, if you will, but also that I am following up on, on the sort of mantra that Microsoft is pushing out that these are 
the categories. These are the skill sets that we assume you should be knowing if you work in security on Azure, for example, like for the SC300. One downside of the SC300 is that it isn't a part of a larger major certification like the SC100, the cybersecurity architect. So once you complete the SC300, there's nowhere to go from there. So you've sort of reached the end of the Azure AD journey, if you will. And then you have to find something else to do, like the AZ500 on Azure Security or the AZ104, the Azure Admin, which gives you other things than, than security, if you will. It would be nice, and this is just me thinking out loud, it would be nice if the SC100 would actually require you to do the SC900, the fundamentals, 200, 300, and 400, all of the security-related ones, and maybe AZ500. So you would really have to collect all of the security-related bits first, and then you would sort of graduate with the top-level architect thing. But this might be too demanding because it would require you to do maybe four or five exams before you actually got to tell that you are an architect now. Yeah, and I so I like that idea specifically for these exams. I'm not sure if that would be um, an approach that I would appreciate because I know some of these exams like SC300, SC200, they go pretty deep dive into the topics, whereas the SC100, it's not a fundamentals course. It is an architect, like expert architect level, but it's still pretty much on the surface, but you need to know about everything. So you need to know a little bit about everything, but you don't need to know the KQL queries. You don't need to know the deep dive stuff about how to operate a specific thing, but more about the strategies and the architecture and why this tool exists and which tool you should use or what service you should use in, in certain cases. So I would I would love to have exactly what you explained that when you have all of these, but then including the SC100, then you could earn like a, a badge or or an exam say or a certificate saying you have the collective security like you have the security whatever like the full package of security you know that that i think motivates a lot of people so exactly what coming back to your point here the se 300 you do it and that's the end of the road if there's no next step or how do i now utilize this exam to earn an experts level badge well if you can't then Maybe some people will reevaluate if you're only doing it for like personal gain. But yeah, and, and and that's usually what I look at. Like I'm looking at the learning path and I see at the end of the line, there's an experts three-star badge. That's the the tough stuff. And in order to achieve it, I need to take these two exams because I already had the first one. And, and and then I map it out. So yeah, interesting. Interesting to see what happens. Interesting to see where things lead. But at the end of the day, I mean, if this exam contains things I need to understand, then I will go for it. Exactly. And and if you pass the SC300, perhaps the obvious next step is SC400. And when you pass on that one, then you find something else to do. So studying for the exam, um, we've listed the, the different options and you can find the links in the show notes. If you are of a different generation than myself and Toby, meaning you are younger, you perhaps prefer the videos. So on Microsoft Learn, there's videos for all of the topics that are required for SC300. I, I feel it's super easy, but for some reason, videos are, are, they are not the first primary way of 
for, for me to learn. I need to read, I need to skim, I need to search. And the video often is, is, is too one-sided for me. It's taking me on a path and I'm not really sure what, what's on that path. And I need to hop around to actually feel comfortable in trying to learn. So videos is the first one. Have you, have you used videos or do you generally learn from videos nowadays? This is a great question. I think my attention span is about three seconds. So if I if I watch a video, it needs to be like five minutes and it needs to <clears throat> needs to tell me what I need to understand. I don't need a video to tell me how to click the button or where to click the button. I want to click the button myself. Right? I want to I want to do the thing myself. Whatever I need to learn, I want to do it hands on. So I prefer reading and I prefer exploring and researching myself. But I really love videos as the overview, like the holistic view of um, like a 10-minute video saying this course or this content or this exam will take you through these things and here's what you need to know about them, bam, bam, bam. But not, you know, here's how you configure this thing or here's how you do a KQL query on, on this specific resource in order to figure out if there's an audit log entry, you know, and care about that in a video. For others, I know that's super popular and you can see that with like YouTube videos and, and Pluralsight and everything. There's like the demand for video training is it just keeps growing uh, for me personally, <clears throat> maybe as you said, different generation, but I, I love to have a video like an overview saying, this is what you're going to learn. This is what you need to understand in order to pass the exam. Here's the requirements. Here's the technologies you need, you need to know about, but I don't need the like how to do it. I need to click the button. So definitely I agree there. I want a table of contents. I want the material, want to be able to search it, but also quickly determine I already know 90% of this section. So let me skip directly in the content to configure external identities because that's the thing I haven't done. Okay, maybe I've done everything else or, or feel comfortable with it. So I definitely, I love the fact that there are so many options for learning these things. And, and that's not exclusive to the SC300 exam. That is for any exam really. There is video learning, um, videos on, on Microsoft Learn, you have the learn path. You can go and study at your own pace, pretty much. And, you know, whatever labs you have for the different trainings and stuff like that. Super cool. And I think today we can with confidence say that each and every of these certifications does have the material needed for you to learn and pass the exam. And then what format you want to study, that's up to you. Exactly. And for videos, I realized that if if there's a major event like Microsoft Ignite or Build or some such, I do often download or at least view the breakout sessions as videos. But that doesn't mean that I'm spending 75 minutes on actually watching and digesting with the video. I'm hopping to the first bit where they're actually sharing a PowerPoint slide. I might be on mute on the video as well, so I'm, I don't have any audio. I'll just skim through the slide that they're sharing and then I say, well, this is interesting. Let's let's hear a bit on this one. That's just for me out of habit, but also because I am quite often in my life, I am in a space where I cannot use audio. Perhaps I'm putting the five-year-old to bed, I'm prepping dinner and the family is, is talking and whatnot, but still regardless, I like to see something or just listen to something, but not both at the same time. So there's the videos on Microsoft Learn. Then there's also the official learning path. So that's written content and, and hands-on labs in a sandbox environment. 
and the prediction for passing the learning path for everything in SC300 is about four hours. Is it four hours? Is it eight? Is it 12? I think it depends on how much you want to focus. If you just read it through, it's it's one hour. But if I will then ask you, can you go into details on access reviews? You might go, well, I have no idea because I just sort of skimmed through the content. So perhaps you want to mix and match the videos and the written content, depending on what sort of experience you already have on the topic. And lastly, you also have the labs. They are available on GitHub. The link is also on the show notes. So if you just want to do the labs yourself to actually learn, learn the stuff. For that, you do need an Azure subscription. You need an Azure AD tenant. And that's not part of the GitHub environment. So you, you need to spin that up. And then you follow the labs and you sort of sort of adapt to whatever the lab is asking you. If the, if the lab is telling you, uh, click on this and this user account, and you don't have that account, just quickly create one and then adapt as if you now have it. So it, it, you need to be a little bit creative in order to get that running. Okay, uh, for the actual exam, it is four days in length. So the first day, and this is for a classroom training, if you will, the first day is setting up Azure AD identities, hybrid identity and external identities. And there's about 10 labs. Some of the labs super quick, some are a bit lengthier. The second day is MFA, user authentication, conditional access and identity protection. Again, about 10 labs. Day three is single sign-on, app registration, meaning enterprise apps, app registration, OAuth 2, all the authentication, API permission stuff. And that has about four labs. And the last day is identity governance. So access reviews, entitlement management, privileged identity management, management and monitoring. And again, you have about five to six labs. In total, it's 31 labs over four days. But if I deliver this in a classroom, which I sometimes do, I do this in three days. Why? Because often if you do this remotely, you do not have as, as much discussion as you would have when, when you're in person. So it's a little bit more condensed and the labs typically take a little bit less time to complete. So three to four days. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Reminds me of the days um, I used to be an MCT. So I, I delivered training for I think eight years or so in classroom trainings. And I, I missed that to some extent, but then when I see this, that hey, you can prepare for the exam by going to a full week or next to a full week uh, of, of just, you know, running through this, and it makes me realize that we're, we're kind of lucky to have the options to choose. Sometimes I, I really would love to go into a classroom for four days and just hammer on, because if you do it remotely, at least if I do it remotely, and and I allocate a week or four days to attend a session. It's exactly what you say. You might mute it. You might turn off your camera and walk around. Maybe go get a cup of coffee in the middle of it. Or, you know, the attention span is not the same if you're in a classroom on site as it is if you're remote. At least for me. So I, you know, I I miss that. I would love to do that at some point again. So I I think that's a important option for for people to have. But yeah, I guess those are the the options. The Microsoft Learn videos, Microsoft Learn Path, the labs that you find on GitHub, and the classroom training. These are like the the go to uh, areas for really preparing for any exam, including the SE three hundred. 
this reminds me of a fun memory. I uh, during the pandemic, I completed my executive MBA studies. So that was a classroom-based academic degree that I did. But the latter half of that, about two years and two months of studies, the latter half was remotely because of the pandemic. So when we hopped from the classroom to Zoom delivered sessions, what the what the faculty did is they allocated an assistant to join each of those lectures. So a lecture would be half day or full day. An assistant would join on those and they would ask everybody to turn on the camera so that you're really paying attention. But then they would have the assistant scan through the small thumbnail video feeds. Is everybody paying attention or is somebody perhaps <laughs> reading emails? And then you would get this private message on Zoom. You see, we feel you're not paying attention. Are you doing something else, perhaps? And I was reading something on WhatsApp. I'm, no, no, I'm actually paying attention. It was a bit frightening, but I also got why they were doing it. They really wanted you to focus on that one. But it's impossible to focus for four hours on Teams. You can focus for 30 minutes, then your mind starts to wonder to do something else. That's that's the tricky bit with, with remote learning that I still feel is there. Yeah. Uh, Okay, the actual exam, like every other exam, you can do this online. You can you can find a test center, and this is usually around 50 to 70 questions. A few case studies, multiple choices, drag and drop questions, and you need to get 70% correct. And not not all questions are equal. So you might have one case study that gives you 50 points out of the 1,000 points you need, or that that's the maximum, but then you might have a multiple choice that gives you one point. And you do not know when you're doing the exam, what's the value between those questions are. So you need to hit 700 points out of 1000, so 70% in order to pass. If you get more, you don't get anything extra. It just means you studied too much because you got more points than 700. Yeah, makes sense. So uh, yeah, I, th I think that's, it resonates with the experience that I've had you know, in the last couple of years. I've done everything remotely, uh, but kind of the same. It's the same structure still. Yeah, um, some of the problem areas for me when I was studying for this exam and how I usually study is I know that I am up for delivering one of these maybe two months from now. So that's the perfect time. If I haven't done the exam yet, I will just flip through the content, do the labs, as much as I feel I need to, then I do the exam so it's fresh in my mind when I start delivering it in a classroom or remotely. So some of the problem areas for me were around identity governance. So that was the day four topics, access reviews, access packages, reporting and monitoring on those, because those are often fairly rare with customers. Every customer has Azure AD and identities and MFA and whatnot, but something like entitlement management this doesn't happen too often yet. So I really needed to do the labs on those with more folks. Okay, so in summary, go do the exam. It's fun, it's nice, it's fair. And if you work in, in security and, and you need to worry about security on Azure, the SC300 is a logical companion to the SC200 and also the SC100, the architect one. Toby, I, I hope you're convinced now that, that this is something you want to do. I'm convinced that I don't have the time to do this right now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is, uh, it's an exam that's important. 
it's not necessarily important for my my current uh, projects I'm working on, but I still feel it's important enough to uh, to try and get this done at some point because these are such fundamental like uh, fundam fundamental or, or basic things of everything you do in Azure. And if you do operate Azure, if you do set up architectures in Azure, if you do uh, design systems in Azure, it makes a lot of sense to understand how identities work and how AAD works and you know what Entra is, uh, which is now then introduced into the material as well. Like how do you deal with hybrid identities and how do you do external identities? And all these things are, uh, are important if you have the responsibility of architecting or designing systems. If you're obviously working with security in any capacity, then it's important to understand at least quite a few of these things uh, around identities. And again, identity is just a small part of this uh, or 25%, give or take. Um, but I, I definitely am convinced that this is necessary. Prior to, to this recording, I did not know exactly what we had inside of this exam. But taking a look at the the link from the show notes that we have, taking a look at what's in there, there's quite a lot of interesting things I have not had a chance or opportunity to work with yet. So I think there's uh, there's a big learning opportunity here to to grow your skills in areas that you may or may not have touched on. So definitely convinced. Good stuff. And perhaps as the last sort of advice is that perhaps allocate about two weeks of calendar time, not full days, but a few hours every day to go through the labs and the content and then then do a reservation for the exam let's say four weeks from now so you can digest the content a little bit but then you actually have a deadline i do need to know this stuff four weeks from now and then i am going to do the exam that also ensures that whatever you study is still relevant meaning that if the exam is being updated you do not study now and six months from now you go and do the exam because things have changed since then. All righty, good stuff. Uh, the last bit we have is the unexpected question. Um, and Toby, this week you get to ask me the unexpected question. All right. So I I thought long and hard about this. And and this is one of the, you know, the important questions of, of life. Uh, is cereal soup? Why or why not? I've never even considered this question. <laughs> it's uh, important to think about. <laughs> yeah, often being a consultant, I need to come up with solutions real quick. No, it's not. It's not warm. It's not hot. It's cold. And it, it feels like it's something else, even if, if obviously you have liquid in there. So some people eat cereal with, with yogurt or, or, or with something else than, than let's say, milk or, or even water. I don't really do cereal nowadays, but it never occurred to me that I would consider it, it as a soup. A soup is, you know, that's something you feel it's typically fairly healthy, fairly good for you. And cereal, the older I get, the more I think, well, it's mostly sugar and, and wheat, and mm, that's about it. So my final answer, no, it's not. All right. Good call. Alrighty. Thank you for tuning in. And we'll have a fresh episode for you again next week on Wednesday. Bye-bye. See you then.